Hello and welcome to Vice Week, the weekly podcast for MedTech Insight. I'm editor Reed Miller, and with me today is fellow editor Marion Webb. So, Marion, this week you published your first market intel story on post-pandemic perspectives. What can you tell us about this story, which is going to be a part of a two-part series? Yes, Reed. So, this story focused on lessons learned from the pandemic and offered global perspectives based on a panel discussion at the recent Advimet MedTech conference. So, the panel featured healthcare leaders from seven countries, the US, Canada, Sweden, Norway, Australia, and Taiwan. And what was interesting to hear is that while all of these countries and regions adopted different strategies to combat COVID-19, the rising use of digital technologies such as telehealth consulting and remote monitoring was universal. Okay, so what stood out to you? Well, I thought it was really interesting to hear about the different perspectives, but also different philosophies. So for instance, both Norway and Sweden have a citizen-centered strategy to healthcare where each citizen has access to their medical data and their own treatment and care via a national healthcare portal. And the panelists believe that this was to the advantage of their citizens during the pandemic in terms of providing information on treatments and vaccination sites and so forth. So the citizens locked on and uh, to get information not only on healthcare but also on what was going on during the pandemic. While in Canada, the impact of the pandemic has been exciting for innovators, but yet very stressful for clinicians. And that's according to the chief innovation officer of a healthcare system in Ontario. He said that in Canada, the patient experience historically has been near the bottom of the list of priorities while the focus has been on providers and institutions. But he feels that the pandemic has shed a light on some of these inequities, and he feels that change is already underway, where citizens will be much more empowered in the future. And of course, in Australia, the hard lockdowns have also had a substantial impact on patients' ability to visit their doctors, and as the panelists um, put it, turbocharged telehealth and remote care. Looking at Taiwan, meanwhile, COVID case numbers there were not nearly as high as in other places of the world due lessons from the SARS outbreak back in 2013. That's according to the panelists. Um, So when COVID hit in Taiwan, people started isolating and followed the mask mandate and also did contact tracing. So yeah, that's a lot of different perspectives. And so you also wrote about what these healthcare leaders think the new normal will look like there. Uh, Also this week, the Consumer Technology Association announced some news on the digital therapeutics front that you covered. So what can you tell us about that? Yes, so the Consumer Technology Association announced standards for digital therapeutics to help clear up some of the confusion around the digital therapeutics industry. And the hope is that these new standards will drive adoption and usage of these solutions. You keep up with the big cardiovascular device companies, and Medtronic had some big news in the last week. Yeah, that's right. So Medtronic had some good news and some bad news in the last two weeks. So their good news from last week was that they reported their progress in key environmental, social, and governance areas that they've made over the past year, along with mentioning some new performance targets related to sustainability inclusion. Now, as we've reported before, CEO Jeff Martha began a series of inclusion and diversity initiatives when he became the CEO of Medtronic in 2020, and the company is measuring its progress in these areas against specific targets. So for example, Medtronic reduced its carbon intensity by 36 since 2013, and that puts them on track to reach their goal of becoming a carbon neutral organization by 2030. 
Um, and they're also making a lot of progress from reducing waste, most notably from reducing the packaging. Their next step is to reduce the emissions from part of the so-called value chain that is outside their direct control. That includes transportation and logistics. Martha said the technology to control emissions from those things is going to have to get better before they can hit their goals there, but they're trying. They're also making progress on hiring diversity and pay equity. Their goal is that 45% of their 12,000 management positions around the world will be held by women by fiscal 2026. Medtronic also expects that 30% of their 6,500 U.S. management positions in the U.S. will be held by so-called ethnically diverse talent by the same time, fiscal 2026. And they think they can get there. Now, they see these initiatives as just not only the right thing to do, but they are very key to recruiting talent, especially in technical positions, because so many of these people are looking for companies that have these kind of values and initiatives when they have choices on where to work. Medtronic has had a lot of recalls lately too. Did they mention that? Yeah, they did. Medtronic has recorded 10 class one recalls in the last fiscal year. Uh, that is not great. Uh, we've reported on that a few times. They're creating a center of expertise to lead the integration of the companies they acquire. And as we've heard from lots of companies over many years, a lot of the problems that arise in quality and compliance for big companies like that come from getting everybody on the same page when they acquire a new company or trying to integrate a new organization into the, the wider organization. So Medtronic is just going to keep trying to do a better job of doing that. They're also working on centralizing their complaint handling function. So hopefully that will make them more responsive and efficient whenever a problem starts to arise. But they are also specific targets to reduce the total number of complaints uh, by improving quality. That sounds positive, but you said they had some bad news this week. So as we reported on before, Medtronic has been trying for a very long time to earn FDA approval for their Simplicity Renal Denervation System that's used to treat drug-resistant hypertension. Now, they have lots of encouraging data from a few different studies that show that it can reduce blood pressure in people who Hypertension is uncontrolled by medication. And the last piece of this approval puzzle is going to be the result of the spiral HTN on med trial. And that's a sham controlled trial that uh, will show how well this does in people who are already taking up to three antihypertensive medications. The company was very optimistic that the renal denervation would do so well in this trial that they could end it early, present the results at the TCT meeting in a few weeks, and then they could finish up their FDA application this year, which has already been delayed by COVID. But the interim look at that data from the investigators showed that it's not quite good enough, at least yet. So they're going to have to finish the whole trial. It's got 260 patients, and that's going to take about another year. So that doesn't mean that the trial results won't be favorable for the Simplicity Renal Denervation System. Medtronic hasn't actually seen the results, but a few analysts think that, that it might not be positive. And even if that turns out to be the case, that it doesn't beat the sham necessarily, but that wouldn't be a disaster. Uh, it doesn't mean that the therapy doesn't work because we're looking at people who are already on medication for their pretension. And this has been a problem with these kinds of devices for a couple of years. It's very hard to do one of these controlled trials on people who are already taking a variety of different antihypertensive drugs. Now, that, of course, is the population that they're ultimately going to be treating, you know, these people who are trying to take drugs but not really working. But then that makes the data very messy. You don't know who is doing better because of their drugs or who is doing better because of the treatment. And then, of course, hypertension, people's attitude towards being measured can actually change their blood pressure so that all these things create confusion in the data. So they're really trying to sort all that out. 
That's also why Recore, which is another company working on a renal denervation system and that I've talked to lately, they ran a trial where everybody in it was on a standardized medication, which is not how it is in reality, but at least that's going to help them provide clearer view of how well their device works. So we'll see how that turns out. That we'll probably know from that in the next year or so. So it's just going to be another year or so before we see how all this plays out with renal denervation, which has gone up and down and someday it will uh, be able to reach patients. Thanks, Reed. That's quite a long saga for that therapy and it just keeps going. I know you'll be keeping a close eye on that. You can read about these topics and more at medtechinsight.com. Right now we have Reed's article about how Johnson & Johnson is delaying the trials for its Adava surgical robot. We have a few articles from Barnaby Pickering about some innovative in vitro diagnostics companies. There's always a lot of recall news. We also launched a new podcast hosted by Sean Schmidt. This week, he talks to former US FDA Device Center Compliance Chief Steve Silverman. The archive of Device Week and the rest of Informa Pharma Intelligence podcasts are available on the Informa Pharma Intelligence channel on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, TuneIn, Spotify Podcasts, and via smart speakers if one of these platforms has been set up as your default podcast provider. You can follow us on Twitter at medtech underscore insight. I'm at medtech Marion, M-A-R-I-O-N. Read is at medtech read with two E's. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your week.